because of the nature of open Wi-Fi, it is quite a significant ecosystem. So there's actually a lot of people developing a lot of things simultaneously. We like to call it sort of velocity of innovation because we've got such a large community that's developing these things. Today on The Signal, we'll be talking about open Wi-Fi. It promises lower costs, more flexibility, and faster product launches. How does it work and who's launching it first? That's coming up on The Signal. All right, this is Martha DeGrasse here for Wi-Fi Alliance, and this is The Signal, our podcast where we give you the inside track on Wi-Fi. These are meant to be smart conversations with industry leaders. We want to deliver a new perspective on the growing portfolio of Wi-Fi technologies that we see changing the connectivity landscape. In this episode, we're going to be learning about the Telecom Infra Project's Open Wi-Fi. And joining us to teach us about that are Hugh Reese, Head of Business Development for NetExperience. Hugh, thanks for being here. Thank you very much. And we've also got Tony Stramondinoli, General Manager, America's Branded Division at EdgeCore. Tony, yeah. welcome to The Signal. Thank you for having us. Thank you for making the time to be here. This is our first podcast with two guests. So you're both here because NetExperience and EdgeCore are deeply involved with TIP, the Telecom Info Project, which is a nonprofit consortium started by Meta and Deutsche Telekom to promote open interfaces across connectivity protocols. So Wi-Fi, but also cellular fiber, even satellite. Obviously, you're focused on open Wi-Fi, which is managed by the Open Converged Wireless Software Group. Hugh, can you give us a quick overview of open Wi-Fi, what it is? Sure. So open Wi-Fi, as you said, correctly is part of the Telecom Infra Project initiatives for open network technologies. And open Wi-Fi specifically is really a disaggregated wireless LAN. That is to say we are separating the hardware from the software and making it interoperable. So in practice, this means we've developed an ecosystem with software providers like us and hardware providers like my uh, friend Tony here with EdgeCore and others that are all designed to interoperate, work together seamlessly. So it means that from a, a service provider perspective, they can select different software, different hardware, and make them all work together without having to do any kind of strange protocol translations. And as I understand it, it's not just disaggregated hardware and software, not just open that way, but it's also open source, right? Yes. So there's a key part of it is the open source code. And there's really two parts of that open source. There's some open source code that goes on the access point itself, so the firmware fundamentally that's running on the on the access point. And then there's open source cloud software, which obviously enables those access points to talk directly to the cloud. And of course, what's happened is that there's a protocol there called uCentral. I don't want to get into too much depth here, but a common protocol that's used across all of those APs. So as long as all of those APs are running the TIP open source, then they will work with the cloud layer. And then NetExperience and companies like us have built products on top of that cloud layer. And that's how you differentiate? That's how we differentiate, yes. Excellent. And you are offering the first end-to-end wide area LAN software and service compatible with open Wi-Fi, is that right? That's correct. So what we've done is we've developed a, a real sort of best-in-class or enterprise-grade, service-provider-grade cloud management and controller platform for open Wi-Fi. So this basically means you've got all of the management functions that you would need to deploy thousands of 
uh, or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of access points from a management perspective, but it's also a full wireless LAN controller. So that enables you to put access points, obviously, in dense locations and have them automatically do things like band steering, client steering, and that kind of stuff that you'd expect from an enterprise-grade controller. Okay, excellent. All right, let's bring you in, Tony, to talk about the hardware a little bit. Why did EdgeCore decide to support open Wi-Fi? Yeah, that's a great question. The disaggregated nature of open Wi-Fi means that we can take our engineering resources and focus them on building best-of-breed hardware, load them or preload them with the tip open Wi-Fi software, and then deliver that to customers at a much lower cost. We're not having to develop hardware and software together anymore. And what are some of the the hardware elements that you bring to this? Wireless access points in different variations, different 2x2 or 4x4 antenna configurations, wall plate mounted access points, so a bunch of variety of different hardware applications for different types of uses. Okay, great. Let's get into Open Wi-Fi's advanced feature set a little bit. Wi-Fi 6 and 6E, Passpoint, Open Roaming. Can you give any insight on any of those? Sure. So um, because of the nature of Open Wi-Fi, it is quite a significant ecosystem. So there's actually a lot of people developing a lot of things simultaneously. We like to call it sort of velocity of innovation because we've got such a large community that's developing these things. So we do support, as you might expect, we fully support Wi-Fi 6 and Wi-Fi 6E today. In fact, there is some 6E uh, access points already being deployed as part of Open Wi-Fi. We at NetExperience are also very strong supporters of open roaming, so the WBA open roaming side. So not just open Wi-Fi, but open Wi-Fi and open roaming. We think they go together very well. And uh, we see that that is something that we see demand for from our customer base, from the, the operators. Probably around half of the customers I talk to, the service providers I talk to, are genuinely very interested in going ahead and deploying open roaming. So we've done a lot of testing with AT&T and Boingo to verify that the open roaming works well, uh, which it does. And I think that's going to be a, a strong part of the product offering in the future. So for anyone who doesn't know what open roaming is, it, it's kind of what it sounds like, right? It's the ability to switch seamlessly without authenticating as much from one network to the other. Right? Absolutely, yes. I mean, from an end consumer's perspective, what it really means is as you're walking along and you're maybe connected to a 4G or 5G signal, but you walk into a building that has poorer coverage for those cellular networks but has better Wi-Fi coverage. If they are part of the Open Roaming Federation, then your phone will automatically switch over to the Wi-Fi network without you having to enter a username and password. Great. Okay, now let's get back to the open Wi-Fi, sort of the cost proposition. You alluded to it, Tony, that you didn't have to worry as much about software. Do either one of you have any examples or any quantitative elements that you can share about cost savings delivered by open Wi-Fi? Do you want to start, Tony, on that one? Yeah, I I would say the open Wi-Fi access point itself, the device itself probably cost maybe 10 to 15% less okay. than a turnkey device that has software and hardware built in. Okay. And that's at an initial entry price. The more this market expands and the more people that get involved, that price is scheduled to come down for sure. Okay, great. Anything to add? Yeah, and I think that what we're finding is that the prices that EdgeCore and, and the other manufacturers are 
charging are extremely attractive compared to, say, the big brands that we would all know, basically because the customer's buying them directly from the manufacturer and not through effectively a branded, marketed organization that has maybe some margin stacking that's going on there as well. So it means from a, an end uh, operator perspective, it's a significantly cheaper. We think it's in the range of 60% of what you would get from the equivalent big brands. And how do you think operators are responding to not buying from their traditional vendors? Well, I think that's interesting because I think the market is, you know, obviously it's a new technology, so it takes a little time to get going. But we're, of course, been very pleased with the uptake of it so far. I think what's happening is we're seeing that we're getting into early parts of the markets of things for like MDUs or hospitality, those sort of things, we think the enterprise market is probably going to take a little longer because their decision-making process is longer and they're a bit more cautious, let's put it that way, in terms of kind of diving straight into something like open Wi-Fi. But we see that over time, I think this is a unstoppable technology and uh, I think it will potentially dominate Wi-Fi. I think one of the things that's probably worth noting is that one of the benefits of open Wi-Fi that we haven't really talked about is the fact that it's sort of relevant for almost all, or perhaps all, Wi-Fi use cases. So it's not pigeonholed into, say, an enterprise silo or a or a, an MDU silo or you know, hotels and hospitality or residential. You can actually use the same platform and you just basically switch out different access points to cover the use case that you're trying to cover. My CEO like came up with a good analogy in this, that is... When you sign up for, you know, a 4G or 5G service, you don't have a different service for different use cases. If you're a business or a consumer, it's the same, you're consuming the same product. And Wi-Fi hasn't been like that. We've had different vendors for different parts of the market. This open Wi-Fi flattens that. Oh, that's really an interesting way to look at it. Okay, great. Now, you mentioned a few minutes ago here that you'd done testing with Boingo and AT&T. I know Boingo is the first Wi-Fi network operator to announce that its Wi-Fi 6E network will utilize open Wi-Fi. Do you think we'll see more coming along soon? Yes. In fact, I know we will because we have, <laughs> we have more. Unfortunately, I'm not in a position yet to name who they are. The Boingo one is public knowledge. Derek Peterson, the CTO of Boingo, announced it. In fact, there will be a follow-on, more official announcement coming, but it is public knowledge. But we do have others already that have signed and will be deploying. And hopefully, of course, I would be more than happy to announce those as soon as I can. Uh, but I have to appreciate their respect for privacy. Of course, of course. Anything else that either one of you wants to highlight or discuss related to open Wi-Fi? I think another thing that's kind of interesting, I think, is that so the, we've talked a little bit of the sort of service providers that we're dealing with, and they've mainly been North American and some European. But the other thing that's kind of interesting is we've had a lot of interest and a lot of trials occurring in developing nations. Oh, great. And I think it's primarily because of this total cost of ownership reduction, the fact that it's cheap enough that they can deploy it. So we've got multiple trials running in Africa, for example. So I think it's going to kind of grow the market. It's not just taking market share. It's also going to grow the market into these uh, developing uh, markets. So are these trials, are these public sector initiatives, enterprises, a mix? What are you seeing? They're, they're a bit of a mix. Okay. Um, again, there are service providers in Africa, 
and they have, again, mixed environments. Some of them are supported by government and NGO organizations because they're trying to provide Wi-Fi to people that have no internet connectivity at all. You know, so this is brand new customers, effectively, and yeah, consumers of the internet. Um, so that's one part of it. But there's also, uh, on the business side, there's just the enterprise market in Africa is a little quicker to move uh, mm -hmm. than the enterprise market in North America and Europe. And I think primarily, again, I think it's driven by the fact that it's it's cost effective for them. So this would be like a company in Africa deploying Wi-Fi on its premises or like a service provider deploying it for an enterprise? Or you see both of those? It's really the service. We, as NetExperience, we're really equipped to sell to service providers. Yeah. We don't really sell directly to the end businesses, right? Um, so because of support issues, things like that, we really we're geared to supporting the service provider who supports their end customers. Okay, gotcha. And I do think some of the service providers in Africa are some of the most innovative because, again, they need to be, right? They have to be. They embrace open technologies, actually, perhaps more so than than we do in North America and Europe. It's really exciting. All right, Hugh, thank you very much for sharing that. Hugh Reese, Head of Business Development for NetExperience, thank you for being here on The Signal. Thank you very much, Martha. And Tony Stramondinoli, General Manager, America's Branded Division at EdgeCore. Thank you very much for being here today. Oh, thank you for having me. This has been great. Thank you both very much. And that is our show for today. You can find links to some of the resources we discussed today in the show notes. You can find our podcast and everything else you need to know about Wi-Fi at y-fi.org. That's wifi.org, the Wi-Fi Alliance. You can also find this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Search for The Signal by Wi-Fi Alliance. I'm Martha DeGrasse. Thanks so much for listening. Join us next time for The Signal.